I love this song. Every time I hear it, it makes me smile. I know, it's our theme music, but golly. Hello, Ricky. I loved hearing you all your life. Okay, David Lindrum, Margaret Tharp, Landscape Alaska, Conversation with Alaskan Gardeners. We're back on the air. We couldn't be here last week, but we are back and at plate now, ready for our first pitch. This is a call-in show. We'll talk about landscaping, gardening, uh, any kind of thing you want to talk about, environmental soundness, and how about that lush world out there? Boy, it's really going to town, I'll tell you what. Um, Looking at the landscapes I'm taking care of right now, I noticed that at the hotel that I take care of, the trees are getting ready to go into a whole other phase of their lives, and those Norway maples that are planted there, the big red-leafed Norway maples. Crimson King. They, they're they getting ready to quit being adolescents and break out into mature stature. Yeah. Their branches are starting to widen up instead of being like a candlestick. They're reaching out and broadening out. It made me think we need to do some selective pruning because... They're probably too big a tree for, <laughs> for, for how long they're going to live and how big they're going to get now that you look at them. You and know, you know I mean? as the branches get longer, the branches get heavier, and that pulls them down, too. Yes. So, where it, w- as you're saying, when they're adolescents, they're like at 45 degrees. You know, right. They're kind of growing up, and you think, oh, it's going to be a big, tall tree like that. But as they get older and longer and stronger, the whole weight pulls down. When you look at the mature ones, like, you know that one that's on 12th Street? Yes. That with the big, big uh, planting of crocus underneath it. Mm-hmm. You think about that one and how broad that actually is. Right. Yeah. So, with, you know, last year it was so hot and dry that this time of year things kind of started to quit growing because of the stress being hot and dry. Because it went on almost a month, you know, that long, hot, Horrible Drought. <laughs> horrible time. I mean, I know a lot of people love it, but uh, I hate being hot. Anyway. Um, and pulling hoses. And pulling hoses. And, um, you know, I didn't even have to mow lawns because they just quit growing. And this temperature, this 55 to 65 degree temperature is like ambient time. Temperature for things to really grow its roots, and when it grows its roots, it grows their tops. So you may not be getting as much flowers, as many flowers. You may not have uh, some of the fruit-bearing results you'd like to have because it hasn't been quite warm enough, you know, this cool wet weather. But in terms of things growing, they're absolutely bursting out of ground. Aren't they though? You know. The areas I take care of, you can't see individual plants anymore. Yeah, we went by the uh, the Wells Fargo Bank this morning in the valley and looked at the plantings there, and they are tremendous, absolutely tremendous, growing. A third again. Yeah, the size they just got they huge this summer, and we cut them back hard last year. You know, and hard. so so if in your yard you're seeing that same results you know be glad because things are vigorous and happy and growing along but realize that for some of your shrubs and your trees you're going to really want to be proactive in pruning them this fall because the more branches leaflets and 
things are limited to the size you want them to have in the garden for aesthetics but the fall is really the time to trim things back so in the springtime they come on the size you want them to be now there is a, a definite difference in the plant's response between summer pruning and fall and winter pruning right so if you prune them in the summer they don't tend to regrow as rapidly but if you prune them in the fall and winter it sends a signal down to the roots that says you know you got to regrow here you got to get back to the regular size so well there's that but there's also the enjoying your yard for how pretty it is and if you go through and take all the flowers off the spireas which are just getting ready to bloom now you know well that's a bummer <laughs> right no so, i would i would so, certainly let them all flower and enjoy that you know but uh after this next flush of growth all i'm saying is you start pruning things back and maintaining you them. can see that the plants are you know once it gets past the middle of summer the 21st of june you know the, the days start getting shorter and the plants know that they're uh now the 21st of june is the beginning of summer it, okay. It, you don't start telling me that summer's already over. I mean, hello. Fireweed, fireweed. So what? Okay. Anyway, once <laughs> the days start getting shorter and the nights start getting longer, the plants recognize that and they start doing physiological changes. Anyway, uh, so I got an email this morning asking me about the lower leaves on a Miss Kim lilac. I saw beginning that. Beginning to turn, turn uh, burgundy. Burgundy. And that's what they do. That's a and fall they, response. That's a fall response. That's exactly what I'm saying. Once it gets past the 21st of June, the plants start going, okay. And when they're babies, they may happen. it may happen sooner. And the new growth, of course, is not there yet. That's all kind of vigorous and bright, bright green. But the lower leaves are starting to show that it's time to start looking ahead. Right. And if you didn't uh, pick your lilacs when they were in bloom, now's the time to go through and cut off uh, some of the flower heads so that you can have more flowers the next spring. So, and same with your rhododendrons. Take all the old flower heads off that you can easily, so that the, but not down too far so that you don't take off next year's flower buds. They're right underneath this year's flowers. And if you, if you haven't put nematodes out around your rhododendrons, come and see me because, you know, the, the bugs are there. You know, and I've got the nematodes for it. So we have about another month's worth of time to do this. And what I'm talking about are the ones that take bites out of the edges of the leaves of the rhododendrons, the root weevils. And it's not so much the tops that you worry about as it is what the babies are doing to the root system. So people that have done it over the last couple of years have seen remarkable difference. And we certainly see it, and we put it on everything we can. Okay, so uh, I got... Fertilizing. Fertilizing again now. That's right. Out at the drip line, encourage all the plants to be happy and grow because they're growing 24 hours a day. And now's the time. That's right. And in another month, you know, when it comes to the middle of August, you want to begin tapering off. Maybe you'll do one more time after that. But uh, now when they're in active growth phase, this is really the time to, to take advantage of it and help them along. And part of the reason that you don't want to stop as we go into winter, you don't want to stimulate it with high nitrogen in your fertilizer. But at some point in the next month, plants start storing starch in their roots so they can get through the long winters. And that's kind of where they're 
storehouse of energy goes and that's why you need to keep them fed uh, so that going into the winter time they've been well fed as they go dormant that's right and what they're doing now of course is they're making sugar you know the sun's shining on their leaves they're uh, taking in the the carbon dioxide giving off the oxygen and making that carbon dioxide into sugar and stashing it away as starch and they're storing it away as fast as they can just like the bears and the wolverines and every other animal out there we're watching the squirrels harvest the the cones from the spruce trees man you know they're stashing it away like mad that's right those that don't stash it away on their own body have to hide it someplace else speaking of the squirrels and the seed pods i was watching them the other day and they're the amount of cones on the spruce trees in the last couple of years has gone up exponentially huge numbers huge numbers yes absolutely just like what we were saying earlier the last couple of years of warmth has really stimulated the the growth of these trees and so now we're seeing the results of that just like that huge explosion of rhododendron flowers this spring wasn't that great they were beautiful absolutely and now the hydrangeas are coming on. Hydrangeas are starting to flower. That's right. They're really, really pretty. And the limelight hydrangeas we got in this week, we only got five in this week for our, for our sales area, but they are in bloom and booming up right now. And the ones we planted last year that are the quick fires are beginning to send their flowers up, and the little trees are starting to send their flowers out. Boy, they're just great. I'm so excited by watching them. Even the little tiny baby ones that are in the gallon cans are starting to flower. You're a real farmer. You know that, Dave? That's as nice a thing as I can say. Well, that's a nice thing to say. <laughs> I like that. I'll take that as a compliment. Exactly. You know, pat me on the back and call me Farmer Dave. I like that. So I really want you to get our... Uh fall order for rhododendrons in because i'd like them here this fall so they come into spring here rather than have them come up after spring shows up down south so i'd really like you to get in touch with our suppliers again and i put, did put my dwarf rhododendrons order in please yes ma'am okay I so want, you want me to be boss for a while yeah I heard you that. get to be the boss for a while okay i like that i'm too busy okay so uh we have a couple of big planting projects coming up and we're very excited about. We're going to be transforming a couple of areas. And one of them is going to be the uh, Treadwell building in the park over in Douglas and uh, down on the beach. Office building. The yep. big office building. And, and there's a, uh, a planting project in line for that that's going to be perfect for that little zone. Something that we can put in and it'll, we'll embellish that over several seasons. Well, it's such a sweet building. It is. They've done such a great job with it. And so uh, having a landscape around it will make it even more of a public space than it even is now. And I know you're intending, as you always do, to have the, f the, the landscape show stretch out as long as possible. Early spring, midsummer, late summer, and fall blooms. So I'm looking forward to it tremendously. Well, it's a beautiful spot. And that building has really nice um, aspects of light. So it'll complement the I setting. I think so, too. Yeah. And uh, looking at the Capitol building downtown. You know, the, the blooms should be starting out on that pretty soon, too, for the fall. The hydrangeas should be setting their buds right about now. We'll be looking forward to that thing coming into bloom, too. 
It needs to get cleaned up from spring. Well, we'll do what we can. Okay, so uh, Conversation with Alaskan Gardeners is a call-in show. If you have any kind of comments or questions you'd like to ask, don't hesitate. We're going to be fertilizing lawns today. We're going to be mowing lawns and fertilizing lawns. And I know it's your favorite subject. And planting roses. That's right, and planting roses. And the roses in town are just going gangbusters. They're everywhere and full bloom. And s- some of them have, their heads are so full of flowers and buds that they just lay down on the ground. I was looking they at that too. They can't support themselves anymore, you know. And uh, that, that big hillside of white roses on the university campus, mm-hmm. man, is that fragrant. I bet. You walk by 20 feet away, you can smell the aroma rolling up the hillside in there. There's something so delightful about the aroma of roses. Okay. Is there Hello. a call? Hello? Hello. Oh, hello. <laughs> I have a question um, about my maple tree, which I've had for 36 years. And this year, for the first time, I'm losing leaves on a lot of the branches. And, and what kind of maple tree is it? Um, it's the dark purple one. The big one. The big one, yeah. Yeah, okay. And yeah. and what part of town do you live in? In the valley. Uh-huh. And are the... Uh, is it all over the tree, or is it a branch in particular? Well, <laughs> it started out with a branch, but now it's several branches. And um, I had somebody look at it that was over, and there is a a slice up the side of the tree where it had been scarred, I guess. And they found that there were ants running up and down the tree. So are ants doing that to my tree? Ants are more a response than a, than a cause. You know, they're seeing that there's, that there's available food there, probably sap, and they're going up there and taking it as much as they can. Send me a photo. Send it to Landscape Alaska at Gmail. And uh, I'll look at it. Send me a picture of the slash on the tree and an overall picture of the foliage, too. Would you? Yeah, get a picture uh, of the whole tree as well as a close-up of the slash. Okay. Okay. Cool. Thanks. Thank you. There are viruses that do attack maples at times, or it could be just an environmental uh, event due to the damage done on the trunk, and until we look at it, we we won't have any idea. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. And the same thing. We get pictures and, and uh, descriptions from all over Southeast almost every week. We get somebody saying, what's going on with this? And as often as I can, I can help them with it. But if not, I'll have to be able to point them to someplace else. I love the pictures of the man from Cake sent you <coughs> of his garden and, and his God, the work he was doing. did did it just look great? In and a sunny, sunny hot <laughs> slope? That's exactly what I thought. I thought. Man. Uh, the weather's really different in Cake than it is in Juneau. Yeah. And and he has stuff growing there on his hillside we couldn't possibly have growing here. Look great. Yeah. Thanks, David. I like I love those photos. So we send stuff everywhere. We send it to, to all over Southeast, and uh, we send it by the airplanes and by the float planes and put it in the mail. So if you're in an outlying community and you want to have access to something, you want to have uh, fruit trees or right now. It's uh, currants and gooseberry time because they're both heavily fruited right now. And uh, you know, and watch out for the porcupines because they're coming. They are. People are really excited about the fruiting bushes. Yeah. And the uh, honeyberries, those bright blue honeyberries are getting ripe right now. The very I haven't first eaten time. one of those yet. Have uh, you? I, 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 ate, I ate two of them last year, the first two we got. And what do they taste like? Well, they're, they're sour than a blueberry. 
but uh, really, really tasty. How do you know when they're ripe? A little soft. Otherwise, they're hard? Otherwise, they're hard. Uh-huh. Great. I like tart things. I know you do. Okay, so uh, we'll be open today at Landscape Alaska. I'll get there about 10 o'clock after the radio show here, and it will be open until 5 o'clock this afternoon. And I have these hydrangeas that are in bloom that are so spectacular. They probably won't last today, but if you are interested in them, you ought to come and see it. Look at my post on Craigslist this morning for a photograph, and they are so cool. What's really cool about the hydrangeas is they take all the wet. They do, they and don't they don't turn fall brown, apart. And they don't fall apart, and it blooms all the way until October, you know. Along with the Roseanne geranium, it's a great combo. Yeah, being able to stretch the season out is really the mark of of uh, more experience and more more uh, access. You right, know, they uh, like it cool and moist, and and you know they're actually a shade plant, but it can, in Southeast Alaska they can take full sun or shade, which is a very versatile application. Yes, that in its wild state it's an understory shrub so you're right they do like it underneath the big trees but in this environment they glory outdoors in it the ones that i planted at the university campus four years ago are now about five or six feet tall and they're four or five feet across so do you prune them back in the fall i have twice during that time i think pruning them back is a good thing the part of the reason is that their flowers get so big <coughs> that sometimes the problem is that when it rains really hard or we have a summer storm, the they tend to lay down occasionally if you let their branches get too long. So if you, by keeping them shorter, they're a little sturdier and they can carry the weight of those big flowers. That certainly makes sense, I mean, it? in a more ambient climate, letting them be six or eight feet tall is fine. But I think in southeast Alaska, unless you live in Cake, which is kind of like in Huna, <laughs> which is kind of like the tropics. Uh, uh, Lulu, they call it. <laughs> that uh, here in, in Juneau, uh, keeping them pruned in the fall is really a good key. Okay, so the other thing is we need to order tulip bulbs. I have a couple of clients that want buy tulips from us once they saw the colors I put together this last year that they saw around town. So this is the window when we order for the fall. It is, and that tulip guide that I found, these tulips are huge. The bulbs are huge, the tulips are huge, and they're beautiful, beautiful colors. And the crocus, I mean the crocus that we bought from that guy were easily well, they two or three times as large as any others I'd seen. And they bloomed for a month and they had multiple flowers. Yes. So unlike the commercial varieties that are really like a dime size, these were like the qu- a quarter and they were deep. Uh-huh, or maybe even a 50 cent piece. You know, and they did a really incredible job. I mean, they've been in the ground at the Capitol Building for two years and they just came on. It's like the light got turned on. Yeah, that it was a carpet of gold for six weeks there downtown, really. And with virtually no care. Right. You know, crocus are such a, a wonderful, wonderful plant that way. And so when you plant them, if you ha- have something in combination with that bulb, if you plant something which which uh, comes up after the bulb flowers and covers up that, that uh, drying out foliage, that's an ideal combination too. It is. I couldn't do it down there, but it is. But uh, 
For years, we've done it with astilbian tulips, though. That's lilies. We did them with astilbian lilies. That's right. Yeah. Lilies are getting ready to flower, too. The thing about tulips is, unless you're planting them underneath the spruce trees, they just don't dry out enough to have them come back for a very good bloom the next year in most cases. So they really are a one-shot, big flower-filled, beautiful time, like a living bouquet. Uh-huh. Uh, because they come from the steppes, and they need to dry out in the summertime, and we live in a rainforest, so it ain't going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's but hard you, for them to do if that. if you plant them underneath the spruce trees, as Mary Johnson told me years and years ago, hers came back every year because they d- it's dry under the spruce trees, and... Um, and that was great. Yep, that's a real good good clue. If you want to put them, if you want them to come back, put them someplace they can dry out in the summertime. Then things that uh, are adapted to a wetter climate, like daffodils and crocus and muscari, you know, they're perfectly happy out there. Right, but even daffodils <coughs> lose their vigor. I'm I'm just saying it's hard to get. You got to feed them. You got to feed them. You got to feed them. And remember, they can only absorb fertilizer until the time they bloom. So it's really in the early spring when they start to come up, that's when they really want to be fed. Right. So as soon as they start showing up, that's the time you want to get your fertilizer out on them. Well, we didn't have an argument today, Dave. How how wonderful. Almost. Two minutes. Two minutes. Well, we've got plenty of time. We could have an argument right now. Okay, so uh, come see me at Landscape Alaska. And I have another order for a couple projects coming that we'll be bringing up in August. If you have special orders or things you're looking for you can't find, I brought a bunch of things in this shipment for people that made special orders, including some beautiful climbing hydrangeas. If you're one of those people that ordered a climbing hydrangea from me, make sure to get in touch with me. I'll be reaching out to you too. They're really beautiful. They are. Absolutely beautiful. And I got a couple of just stunning vine maples. And you have to get um, my winter order for rhododendrons in for the dwarf rhododendrons. Oh, why didn't you tell me that earlier? I'm telling you again. Okay. All right. I did. I did reach out to them and they said they're getting their inventory together. And so we'll get to be first in line. Call them again. Okay. Now we have... Among the rhododendrons, we have this line of dwarf rhododendrons that are just stunning. They are Yaku hybrids, and they get to be about three feet, three and a half feet tall and five or six feet across with big, beautiful flowers on them. But I want some of the Baden-Baden. They're absolutely killer also. Bright, 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 dark red. And still dwarf. And really dwarf. More dwarf than... The Yakus. Uh-huh. They're all beautiful together. Okay. Okay, I think we're coming to the end of our show. Thanks, Jeremy. It's been a pleasure. This has been Margaret Tharp and David Lender from Landscape Alaska. We're wishing you all happy gardening. Take care, Juno. <laughs>